You know what's funny? Sex. You know what's not funny? Not knowing about sex. Always be funny and always be sexy. Foreplay Baltimore. Hi, I'm Jack Jones, and I'm a sex educator and the owner of Sugar, a sex-positive sex toy store in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm here with improv comedian Prescott Gaylord. We bring together sex educators and comedians to have fun and break down barriers to good sex for everyone. Hi, this is Jack Jones. I'm here with Prescott Gaylord, and we are here to talk about what you're about to listen to, which is the second half of our show on birth control. We're going to start out with two amazing stories from two different storytellers. One is going to be talking about her interactions with the healthcare system and trying to get a diagnosis for some depression that happened as a result of using hormonal birth control. And we have a huge correction to make. Uh, and we're probably going to offend several different cultures and scientists of many different uh, creeds. So uh, do, you, do you have something to say to our listeners, Jack? I do. So I was talking about how Egyptians in ancient Egypt identified fallopian tubes and implied that they were named after an Egyptian named Fallopius, which in fact I thought they were, and I was wrong. They're actually named after an Italian dude named Fallopius, which of course, why would I think that you know, Western medicine had actually let the people who identified it in the first place who happened to be brown have it named after them. Of course, it had to be named after a white dude. Lovely. So we apologize to Egyptians and Italians and fallopian tubes uh, wherever they are. For We regret yes. the mistake. Yes, sadly. And what was the second story about Jack. It was about a, uh, a stuck piece of birth control for longer yes. than it ought to have been stuck. Exactly. While in a foreign, a foreign nation, right? A foreign body in a foreign nation. Yep. Well, foreign to the person who was there, probably not foreign to the people who lived there. Right. I just meant it was foreign to the body. Always. Most birth control is foreign to the body, unless you're planet, practicing natural family planning. Or withdrawal. Exactly. Uh, right. But this was, in fact, a diaphragm. Um, yes. And, and we actually have had a discussion about this, about who, how old do you have to be to know what a diaphragm is or to have come in contact with a diaphragm? Yes, and I was super interested when you did your informal survey to find that more people that you encountered knew what a diaphragm was than I thought. Well, and more than I expected uh, as well. Um, and although, uh, to be fair, most hadn't encountered one. Most just kind of knew what it was. Right. Which uh, is but, good. Uh, yeah, I did an it's informal good. poll of uh, the, well, all of my 20-somethings friends that I could think of in the afternoon that I chose to do it. And I just uh, did various uh, texting and WhatsApping and Facebook messaging to see my 20 something friends uh, around the world now where, you know, if they had come in contact with a diaphragm and most did most knew, most knew what was up. 
Well, that's good because here in the United States, we might need to be making our own diaphragms out of Play-Doh in order shortly. Dear everybody, don't do that. <laughs> just to just to put that out there. All right. Well, should we move on to the show? Yes, uh, everybody, uh, get ready. Listen to some wonderful stories and some wonderful Q and A. Welcome to Foreplay. All right. So now, are y'all ready for our storytellers? Okay. Can you please join me in giving a warm welcome to Angie? Thank you. All right. I get really nervous on stage, so just bear with me for a moment. Uh, so I'm going to share a personal experience that I had with birth control in my life. Uh, so I was 23, and I had just come off of a very accessible, very affordable, um, wonderful birth control, minimal side effects. It's called only sleeping with women for five years. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I found myself with a male partner for the first time in a long time, and I wanted to be safe and also not get knocked up, uh, so I wanted to get on birth control. And the last time I had been on birth control, I was 16, I had taken orthotricycline, um, and at the, I had a fine experience with it before, and so I was like, you know what, that's the one that I know, I don't really know anything about any other birth controls. I'm just gonna go in and get back on this one. And the problem with getting on a birth control at 23 that you were on when you were 16 is that you're not 16 anymore and your body has changed and you're doing different things. And so I went to the doctor, I said, this is what I was on before, I'm just gonna take this again, no questions asked, no information given, write the prescription, done. Within a few weeks of being on this, uh, I, suddenly went into a very deep depression and I was having very severe anxiety. Now, I'm a person who already has some anxiety issues, I always have, and so I never made any kind of connection that it could be the birth control that I'm on. And so I thought that I was having a mental breakdown and you know, that feeds into itself. And so the more that I thought about having anxiety, you know, I was having anxiety about having anxiety, and then it got to the point where, like I was having really intense mood swings, and I was really angry, and I was not being a good partner, so then you feel bad that you're being mean, and then you beat yourself up for that, and then you have more anxiety, and it got worse and worse and worse until the point where I was having panic attacks for hours every day. I was not, sleeping anymore. Like it felt like there was this darkness that was around me, but you can't see it. And I was terrified for no like tangible reason. And it got to the point where like I couldn't even eat anymore because I was nauseous all of the time. And my diet for like a month was a half a bowl of oatmeal that my boyfriend forced me to eat. So I was eating something. Uh, so I made the decision to go to a doctor again, and I was like, you know what, I just, I need anti-anxiety medication, I can't do this anymore. So I got onto the anti-anxiety medication, 
felt better within a few days. I was still taking the birth control, taking the anti-anxiety medication, uh, and then it was time for my annual pap smear, which I went to Planned Parenthood for. Um, they were there for me without insurance, they're there for me with insurance, they're just the place that I will always go to no matter what. And so, of course, they're asking me about the medication that I'm on, and I say I'm taking this kind of birth control. I started this like a couple of months ago. I recently started taking this anti-anxiety medication. And that's when they started asking me questions, questions that other doctors had never asked me before. And they were just like, okay, so you started having these symptoms around this time right after you had started taking this kind of birth control. And they connected all of the dots for me, and they were like, we're going to take you off of this immediately uh, and, you know, give your body some time to reset and, you know, get off of this. And we're going to talk to you about other options that are going to be better for you. And it was the first time a doctor had ever taken that kind of care with me and to, like, actually explain to me what is happening with my body and give me the power to like make informed decisions. And I went home and I went on the internet and I just started researching orthotricycline and I found forum after forum after forum of other women who had like, it was like they were telling my story that they started this birth control and thought that they were having a mental breakdown and had to go on anti-anxiety medication. And so uh, I like to share that story with people because it's important to be informed and I am incredibly grateful to Planned Parenthood for giving that to me. Thank you. Thank you, Angie. All right, so welcome to the stage, Nikki. So somehow tonight, Angie and I met on our way in and ended up sitting together, which was kind of fun. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit of a different story about a type of birth control that I had to experience on my own before there was internet, which meant that I had to rely on just you know word of mouth and people that I knew. Um, when I was a junior in college, I was given an opportunity to go to Belgium to study for the year, and I had already been to Planned Parenthood a number of times. But you know I'm an adult now; I'm a senior in college, so here I am going to, um, you know, like I don't know my mom's friend's doctor. She don't want to go to your mom's doctor, so I go to my mom's friend doctor and I say I'm going to Belgium. I have a boyfriend who's in England. I want to make sure that when I go that I'm an adult and that I have birth control because I really want to have a great time when I'm in Belgium. So the doctor looks at me and says, well, I'm not sure what it looks like when you're in Belgium if you're on the pill, which you're on now. So let's take you off of the pill. Let's give you a diaphragm because that sounds like a really good idea to send you across the world with this device that you've never used before. So I get sent across the world with a diaphragm. I am going with a bunch of juniors in college who are people that I don't really know very well, but like we become fast and furious friends. We're having a really great time together. A couple of weeks later, after we start having a great time, I take my diaphragm, put it in my backpack, and I'm off to London to see my boyfriend. 
I get to London, we have a really great weekend. It was a lot of fun. And then when I get back, get back in Belgium, I still have my diaphragm in because you're supposed to leave it in for 24 hours after you have sex to make sure that you know, you're not gonna get pregnant. So I wake up the next morning, I am on my way to class, and I can't get the fucking diaphragm out. So like, there's, it's not coming out. I'm reaching in, I'm pulling, there's nothing I can do. I should have had my football player husband, <laughs> Atlanta housewife there with me. Maybe that would have made a difference. It's not coming out. I don't know what he did, but it's not coming out. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna go to class. What's a couple more hours? So I go to class, I come back at the end of class, and now I'm like, it, it's still not coming out. So now I'm begging my brand new friends that I barely know, can you please help me? Like, what am I gonna do? I'm in Belgium, I don't speak Flemish. How am I gonna figure this out? So there's no internet, and I end up going downstairs to our director, and I do not have the courage to speak with him about what's going on, but he has an assistant who is Flemish. So I, Aileen, how can you help me? But she speaks fantastic English, but she doesn't speak medical English or birth control English. <laughs> so her answer is, let's get you an appointment at the health center, because I have no fucking clue what you're talking about to me right now. Great. So she sends me to the health center. I walk into the health center. Um, the first people that I see are these lovely women, and they're, they're smiling at me. They're happy to see me. They don't speak English at all. So now I can't even talk to them about what's happening. So they put me in a, I mean, what happens when you walk into a doctor's office? They put you in a little paper robe. So they put me in a little paper robe in a room, and now I'm sitting there in this little paper robe, like twiddling my thumbs, waiting for somebody to come in. When I tell you that the man that walks into the room who is the doctor makes Brad Pitt look ugly, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> he was the most handsome man with the most beautiful like lake blue eyes and black wavy hair, also Flemish, because we're in Belgium, and speaks English, but once again, not particularly a serious medical English. Um, and I have to have a conversation with him and say to him, like, like I, I don't like what, it, oh, I don't know how to make this happen. So I, we finally figured out, he gets in there, he does his job, he makes it happen. I'm so relieved. And he looks at me and he says, you know, uh, now I understand what you're talking about. Like, I've never really seen one of these before, but, I, but I've heard of them. Why aren't you on the pill? <laughs> so, what I, what I, in kind of just thinking about what's happened here tonight and kind of how I feel about my story after that, I feel like, um, I feel like we have an amazing opportunity with what Jack does with foreplay and just being the people that we are now in the kind of political climate that we're in now, to be able to make sure that we're communicating around the world because without internet, I was kind of screwed. And, or, well, I was wanting to be screwed. <laughs> but also wanting to be safe. And in order to make sure that everybody's communicating, I think it could make a really big difference if we keep talking about this kind of stuff. So I'm really grateful for tonight. So thank you all. Oh, diaphragms. Um, so a diaphragm for the people under 30. Um, <laughs> A diaphragm is like, uh, so your cervix is the opening to your uterus. Um, and so if you can imagine like a yarmulke, 
that goes over the cervix and is filled with spermicide. And then you put it in before you have sex and then it stays there. So you've got a cervical yarmulke. You have sex and then you leave it in for like 24 hours and then you take it out. You can still get them. And especially if somebody wants to use a method of birth control that's not hormonal, that can actually be really effective. However, I do not know anyone who has ever used a diaphragm who doesn't have at least one story because they are spring-loaded, right? Like my best friend, when she got her diaphragm, she went into the bathroom and then spent 45 minutes with it like flying because it's like slippery, right? It's got spermicide on it, which is like gooey, slippery, gushy stuff. And so flying across the room, of course, by the time she got out, like her husband was watching God knows what on television and was like, yeah, right. Not today. Um, but so anyway, but you too could have a diaphragm. There's also cervical, there are also cervical caps, which uh, basically look like little cervical top hats. And those are harder to find and are, are more sized than a diaphragm is. All right. And on that note, we're going to bring up my awesome co-host, Ty. Never been happier to be gay in my life. <laughs> um, so we we are about to answer some questions for you. And first, I want to can we thank the storytellers once again? Please. And uh, I'm just gonna check in. Okay. Um, so we are gonna answer some of your awesome questions. Uh, so first, to do that, we're gonna bring our guests back on. Uh, so we're gonna bring on the comedy desk guest again, Elizabeth Danger Norman. Come here. Woo! And we're gonna bring back our educator guest, Lindsay Romer. They give us uh, drink tickets here, uh, <laughs> and, and we use them, so. Right. All right. So you uh, might get slower. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> right, so I'm like, all right, use your words. Okay, cool. Uh, so the first question um, is, where did my libido go? Yeah. It's a thing that can happen with um, hormonal birth control, yeah. which sort of defeats the purpose, right? Um, and it's something that the they're not always so good at telling you that that can be a thing. So then people will sit there and they'll be like, am I, did my libido go away because something's wrong with my relationship? Um, did my libido go away because of this thing or that thing? And it's a thing that can happen. And if you, sometimes you can be on a different hormonal birth control and that won't happen on that one. And so it's a really important thing. If it's a problem for you to have your libido be lower, then you should talk to your clinician and see if they can change it. I would like to point out that it's okay for your libido to be whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Like some people will be like, a low libido is a problem. It might not be a problem, right? If it's okay with you, it's fine. If it's not okay with you, then talk to your doctor or clinician. Is there, is there any way to like make birth control I mean, obviously, like, the condom part, but, like, make birth control part of, like, the sex experience, like, the birth, con like, the foreplay situation, or is it really just the condom that works in that way? 
Because I can't imagine like slipping an IUD in sexily. Well, well unless you're a doctor doing uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently I just husband. have to be a. <laughs> right, you need, you need a doctor husband out of football, football husband. husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. yeah. No, well, I will tell you. Um, I once was. I worked with a doctor in Minnesota and she once had a patient who had been using a diaphragm for like 20 years and had had no unplanned pregnancies and a diaphragm, the efficacy of a diaphragm is what, like 80 something? Well, high 80s. High 80s, right? So like you would think that if somebody's, what was that? Perfect. Did somebody say perfect With use? perfect use. Yes, exactly. And so she hadn't had any unplanned pregnancies over a very long period of time. So the doctor was like, well, can you show me how you insert your diaphragm so I can teach other women um, your technique? Because obviously you're really good at this. Mm. And the woman was like, actually, I can't show you because I've never inserted it. My husband has inserted it every single time. That's love. Relationship yeah. goals. Get, <laughs> get, new goals. <laughs> get new goals for your relationship. So that's, uh. that's really sweet. That's like a desperate dude. Mm. No, I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> um, uh, related to that, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what <laughs> methods of birth control tend to have the most least, the most slash least effects on libido? Hmm, on libido, I guess I would say probably the Paragard, the non-hormonal IUD that has no hormones in it. That's what non-hormonal means. Um, that one shouldn't have any changes to somebody's libido. The way that one works is it's just wrapped in copper wire and sperm hate copper. So a person that has an IUD in their uterus, if they had unprotected vaginal sex, all those millions of sperm, that would be like, woo, let's get this person pregnant, would bleh, we're dead as soon as they come in. Yeah, that gets them all fucked up. It gets for them sure. all fucked so, up. Yes. So, sperm, so copper kills... Sperm? It does. It creates it's, a hostile environment. It's yeah. sperm kryptonite? They also get kind really of, yeah. Actually, used. that's a good yeah. analogy. <laughs> so, so before they like made pennies out of zinc, right? <laughs> you theoretically could have could put a copper penny maybe in the camel's uterus. Could be. And that would have functioned. Those poor as camels, as that's so messed up. They could have just had a penny. They had like whole ass rocks. And they <laughs> like a penny would have solved it. And like... Now we gotta boil these rocks first. And <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna like, them. tell that fact to a bunch of what? people and just make them all like <laughs> uncomfortable and sad. <laughs> just be like, yeah, I'm just putting rocks up in uh, camel uteruses. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> uh, we were talking about anything else. <laughs> I am gonna use that fact though, thank you. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. Yeah, you should. Like, so if you had like a pocket full of pennies, all right, never mind. <laughs> That's a pocket full of IUD. Yeah. Free. They cost a penny each. Right? I'll be at the bar like, hey, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't got no condoms, but these coppers, so. Yeah. <laughs> right? We good to go. That's why people steal those gutters. <laughs> Yo, that would be the best twist ever. <laughs> Like, no, we're not stealing it for <laughs> scrap metal prices. We're, I can't have another child and, like, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> just rapping. I was just rapping. We might be there in four years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens, guys, you know? alternative. You have to be act resist yeah. the resistance for a reason. Yeah, exactly. But with the other thing I'd like to point out is there are all kinds of non-hormonal birth control methods that are unlikely to affect libido. Right? Um, condoms. Oh, yeah. I forgot yeah. about those, <laughs> right? didn't I? 
Condoms, abstinence. Um, that might increase libido. There's also uh, natural family planning. It, when used completely appropriately, is an effective form of birth control. Often we suggest having a backup method on top of that. Natural family planning works best for somebody who has an extremely reliable cycle. And so it's a matter of counting your days, checking your cervical mucus every day, checking your temperature. It is, it is labor intensive. Um, and then not having sex for about half the month. Um, so that would work. Um, and then... Um, diaphragms, cervical caps, um, not having penis and vagina intercourse, which is an aspect of abstinence. Um, but there's also all kinds of other sex one can have that doesn't involve putting a penis in a vagina. Yes. Kink for birth control. I like Way that. better than my answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where were some of the most effective methods of I'm assuming of birth control used throughout history. Also, what are some of the worst slash weirdest? Ooh. There are all sorts. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you can talk. Okay. You're the expert. There, so. Am I? Um, there were <laughs> all sorts of different things that used to be used as male or external condoms. I think it, animal intestines were used. <laughs> yep. There Maybe some kind of like bones were used to cover the... Well, the original the condoms were just decorative. <laughs> um, really, and yeah. like made out of metal. They weren't designed to be put in anything. They were like actually like penis decorations. That's like overcompensating. Like, no, I mean, it's, it's wrapped in gold, so. Right? It's nice right? under there, too, but also just check this out. It's pretty cool. Um, um. One, of my, one of my favorite things is ancient Egyptians used to use. So ancient Egyptians were the ones who identified that there were fallopian tubes and that that was probably how Whoa. pregnancy happened. Nice. Mr. Fallopius. Um, and identify the fallopian tubes. But Egyptian women would because they had a better understanding of how pregnancy happened than a lot of other cultures at the time, they figured out, well, okay, so if I can block the cervix, then maybe no baby. And so they would take a, a lemon and mm -hmm. cut it out in half and hollow it out. Yep. So the astringent of the lemon wow. would be a natural mild spermicide. And then the lemon would act like a, like a diaphragm. Wow. And, um, and I have a personal theory that is impossible to prove that that access to information about how pregnancy occurs and to some simple and probably more effective than nothing birth control methods is one of the reasons that Egyptian women um, had more access to be, being, participating in business um, and had more freedoms than some of the other women in other cultures in the same area. Hmm. Mm, oh, nice. yeah. I don't that's know why I want to be like, day. oh, yeah. they cut a lemon. That's so cute. Hey, in a pinch. <laughs> yeah. I know. So like no one has an excuse. You should always try. Okay. And you could have lemonade. Huh? Right. <laughs> what? And you could have lemonade. Yeah. Oh, man. Sex, sex aid. All right. <laughs> uh, do we have any more weird... Uh, Birth control before I get to the next I one. I think it's weird that they still make like lambskin condoms to Ew, me. Yeah. yeah. That is gross. That's bizarre. But also like 
you know, kind of just like bringing history with you. (laughs) I'm old fashioned. I use lambskin condoms. So it's very porous, right? I'm a real gentleman. Yeah, Um. yeah. They they offer some protection against pregnancy, but not against sexually transmitted infections because those little boogers can get through the pores. Right, that's what I figured. So I don't know. It's like, don't you trust me? You don't think I'm clean enough for lambskin? All right. (laughs) When are condoms going to improve and or base... I'm sorry. I'm going to read it as is. When are condoms going to improve and or based on what's in the market know what are the best condoms? Okay, sorry. So when are condoms going to improve? Question. Uh, And based on what's in the market, what are the best condoms right now? You want the answer about what my students say are the best condoms or what a sex educator would say are the best condoms? Both. All right, I thought you would say that. Um, (laughs) A lot of young, or people of all ages think Trojans are the best because Newsflash, they have an amazing marketing team who wouldn't want a Trojan man protecting you against pregnancy and STIs. Sounds good. (laughs) But... It, what really, in reality, all condoms are held to the same standard. They're all tested the same way. You know, some are like, I'm ultra thin, but like, how thin can you get? How much thinner is ultra thin? Um, but what I usually tell students is whatever will get you to, or anybody, not just students, I regularly work with the young people. They're awesome. Um, what I usually tell them is whatever will encourage you to use a condom, if you need to use Trojans, and that's what's going to make you use a condom, then go with the Trojans, use the Trojans. So yeah. That's my one of the things because um, I came up and started doing sex ed in the 90s and we used to do a thing when we were teaching about condoms because people would be like that condom's too tight I can't wear it I'm too big um, and so we would be like really and we would take a condom and you know either like put it over our foot and up <laughs> our leg or over your head and it's really cool you can put one over your head and then like down like to your nose and then blow out and it like blows up like a bubble and that's um it's it's pretty effective because then people are like oh yeah condoms are stretchy and and here's the thing that's true any condom will go actually on any penis if applied appropriately however not every condom is going to be comfortable on every penis penises are shocker shaped differently from other penises and so i really strongly suggest that if you have a penis and you want to use condoms that you try a bunch of different condoms and figure out which one fits your unique special snowflake penis. And if you have a vagina and you like to have sex with people with penises, yes, you should have condoms. But if you, once you, if you decide that you're going to have regular contact with that person, ask them what kind of condoms they like and make sure you have those. Because when somebody enjoys the way or doesn't dislike the way a condom fits, they're much more likely to use them. And that's actually important because sex is supposed to feel good. Please know that. God, please. Yeah. Sex is supposed to feel good. But as far as advances in condoms, um, we're really fucking slow on that right now. It's not, it's not going well. Um, and we keep thinking that like the Bill Gates Foundation is investing some money in trying to come up with some new condoms. And I'm really, really hoping that we see some results soon. There's a sex toy company called Lilo that 
came out with what they called a revolutionary condom. And this fucking thing um, is called the hex and it uses hexagonal latex. So, and their ad for it has the condom over a cup of water and they demonstrate that, look, you can punch a pin through one of the hexes and it doesn't make the other hexes break. And I'm like, hmm? dude, if my fucking condom breaks, I want to know about it. I want it to break in spectacular breaking fashion so that I can go get plan B or um, HIV post-exposure prophylaxis. You know, like that's important information. And then they hired Charlie Sheen uh. as their spokesperson. I have feelings oh, about yeah, this. Yeah, jeez. What did he do? Like, wish I had one of these? That's awful. <laughs> right? No, oh it's terrible. God. It's terrible. That's awful. Yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. The only other thing I know about that's a, like, condom-related advance is just, I think, Trojan had a thing that was kind of like the teledildonics or whatever, that they were like, we have underwear that you can, like, feel something, and then someone will feel like a light brush in their underwear from far away huh. was the thing I thought I saw a commercial for it and I like, like it yeah I'm for that yeah I like it a little bit yeah. better than a lollipop you make out with yeah but I do too it's yeah. like you know whatever yeah. <laughs> and and one more like pro tip don't use those fucking condoms that are like have things on them that are supposed to be like cooling or warming oh mm. yeah yeah some like people are allergic to this that's yeah. what you're going to say, French ticklers. Yeah, also, what are those? <laughs> like, for real. Okay, so I've tried those. I have a vagina, and they're supposed to be, like, tickling my vagina. What the fuck? <laughs> is it, like, cervical pleasure or something? I'm like, what is that? <laughs> Who is that for? I don't even know what that is. Is that a thing? Like, does anybody, like, I know I really want, like, pokey things on my condom because I'm going to feel that? I think they're just trying to, like, get better Yelp reviews. You know, yeah. just like... <laughs> I liked right. it, and I I laughed a lot. I liked that so it was nice. French. Something different. Something See, made me French. feel fancy. Yeah, I'm for that. <laughs> I feel like it's just like the fumbling of some like uh, males that I know. Just like how how do I get her to come? I'll just tickle her. I'm like no, I just, <laughs> just don't find, do that. Find the clit. All right. So, True. Uh, the next question um, is how long does sperm survive and remain viable in the human female? Um, on average, it can live for up to three to five days, but some super swimmer sperm can make it up to seven. Mm -hmm. So that's that a pretty is long a time. Long that's, time. I didn't know that when I was high school, college. Centuries in their time. I thought it was like minutes. <laughs> that's terrifying. That's that was a week ago. Yeah. yeah, I know. Centuries in my time. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> and um, here's another one: Is anal sex a good method of birth control? Because I heard that a lot when I was in every wow. grade that I've ever been in. I've heard, I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that Including a lot. Including adulthood. Yeah. Um, only, yeah. Only. Yeah. So my, I'm not gonna share my theory. Go ahead. Well, um, I wouldn't necessarily consider that a method of birth control. Um, so when somebody is considering or wants to engage in anal sex, some things that they need to take into consideration. There is not a risk for pregnancy, I mean, unless there is no um, barrier method used and semen were to possibly drip or 
find its way into the vaginal opening from the anus. Um, but something to take into consideration with anal sex is it's a really tight opening. It's a really small hole. So when people do that, they need to make sure lube, 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 lube all day, every day, and that they use a condom. Um, because that opening is such a small opening, there's, go- there's likely going to be some skin tearing. And that just is like all these extra doors and windows for viruses and bacteria to get into. So some people like to refer to it as safer sex. I guess you could say it is in regards to pregnancy prevention, but certainly not with regard to STI. The spread of STI is actually more risky um, for the spread of STIs. Well, and, and also let's remind folks that, that you're, if you're using a, a condom and that you're, it, the sperm is not going to get to the uterus from inside, the anus, right. right? Like there might be some drippage, sure, right? There might be some centor- some santorum that has <laughs> some sperm in it. Um, however, uh, that's not how pregnancy happens. And, I, and I'm saying that because um, I remember one day I was at Planned Parenthood and our educator came back and was, had been working with a group of young women that had recently given birth and had had to spend that day explaining how and why one did not get pregnant from um, giving a blowjob or receiving anal penetration. And so, and I was a little bit floored because these are women who had, you know, that just had babies. But our sex education is that bad. They weren't stupid. They just didn't have the appropriate information. Yeah, not every school hires Planned Parenthood to come in and teach their sex ed. But your school can. <laughs> right, yeah. but your school can. How uh, would one do that? <laughs> well, um, you can see me after the show, um, or you can go to our website, and there's all sorts of contact information. And in fact, our Senior Director of Education and Training is out there in the audience. Where are you at? You stop. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see her, too. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> We, we have, um, you heard Jack and I say that sex is supposed to feel good. Anal sex is supposed to feel good as well. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, and we have a really great episode on, on, on anal sex, anal sex. Uh, that you should look up because a lot of people don't know that because when they think of anal sex, like I did before the episode, uh, I just thought of pain and threats yeah. and stuff. But yeah, no There's threats. a lot of pleasure there, apparently. So. There shouldn't be pain or threats. No, I, th- those are my stereotypes of no, anal no. sex, and now I know better. No, I know. But seriously, if you're interested in anal sex, check out that episode or really stop great. by Sugar, and we will walk you through what you need in order to do that and be singing and having fireworks and all that kind of glorious <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so... Um, all right, so everyone, everyone, I want you to take a deep breath in and let it out. Good. I'm going to ask this next question because it's on all of our hearts and minds. What can we do to help support women's rights and reproductive services during our current political climate? There's also a really uh, nice little kiss, so thank you for that, whoever wrote that. What can we do in uh, today's current political climate when everyone is kind of terrified about what's about to happen next? Yeah, I think one of the hardest things and one of the things that's been really hard for me right now is figuring out, we were talking about it before the show as well, figuring out how to pay attention uh, without going crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, like, I, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I, 
I've literally lost sleep. Like the other night I slept for two hours and I kept like starting to fall asleep and I'd be like, an emollient's clause, how fuck do you say that word? Um, the emollient's emoluments. You're saying it right, I think. I think you said it right. Yeah, yeah. I think you're just saying it right over and over. Okay, you're great. You're good to go. Um, it is a word I did not know four months ago. Um, and, you know, and thinking about the, about the gag rule and thinking about um, access to abortion services and thinking about all of those things. So I think part of what we have to do is figure out how to take care of ourselves and take care of each other so that we can get through this um, and then show up. And... The other thing I want to remind all of us is that we live in Maryland, and we live in a state that actually we're probably going to be in better shape than a lot of other states. So if you have some spare dollars, I would encourage that you send them to the National Network of Abortion Funds um, and or if you have some spare dollars and you want to send them to, I don't know, Planned Parenthood of Indiana, um, yes. and, yes. um, and or Texas, um, any of those other states that are going to really be in a whole lot bigger world of hurt than we are. Uh, also, lots of places use volunteers and um, can use volunteers to do things like answer phones, uh, write letters, sign up for the Planned Parenthood Action Fund, sand, sign up for the National Network of Abortion Federation, I'm sorry, the National Abortion Federation will send you information about protecting, protecting access to reproductive rights and reproductive justice. And remember to think about, try to think about things from an intersectional perspective right? Mm -hmm. Like thinking about how race and class is affecting somebody's access and also thinking about how it's affecting how you're thinking about it. And so those are all things that I think are important. Right now, oh, paying attention to what's happening with the ACA, mm -hmm. I think is really important because they're gonna make some changes in the ACA. And one of the things that the ACA did was require that all insurers cover birth control services. They just introduced a bill now that would require that if you wanted to have abortion covered in your insurance, you would have to buy an abortion rider in addition to your insurance. Newsflash, most people who have abortions didn't think a year ago, right. you know what, I'm probably going to need one of those next year, so I should pay that extra $200 for my abortion rider, or I have no idea how much these cost. Um, but so remembering that having access to birth control services is something that is a thing that affects the lives of people who can get pregnant in really, really significant ways and doing whatever you can to make sure that all of us have them, regardless of the color of our skin and how much money's in our bank account. Great answer. Thank yeah. you, Jack. <laughs> Anybody else want to chip in? I don't think I can top that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, well, as someone who has kind of never felt safe in this country, uh, I can give you some tips. Uh, you educate yourselves uh, and build community. It's very important uh, to have solidarity with people um, and also to uh, look beyond yourself 
um, because you really will probably find the answer to what you're going through beyond um, your group of people. Because if everyone around you is freaking out, right? And if everyone around you is like, I don't know what to do, you probably should look beyond everyone around you. Um, so yeah, look, look to other people. Look to those um, people, especially female body people that like live in the intersection. You know, look to those 94% of black women that voted. There's a reason that percentage was so high. Um, and you really have to open yourselves up and to figure it out and to kind of, that's the best way. Uh, nothing is gonna happen by yourself. Uh, and so hopefully that can be the silver lining of this whole thing is that you learn how community really works, okay? Um, P.S. And building on what Ty said, talk to young people. It's blown my mind. I have a few of my, I coordinate our high school peer education program and a few of them came out tonight. Sorry for the F-bombs, y'all. Um, <laughs> talk to young people. My mind has been blown over the past few months about what my high school and even middle school students have said and think and what their opinions are about the current social situation in our country and Trump and everything that's been going on. I had no clue about any of that stuff when I was... 16 years old. So talk to young people. They might teach you something. Um, and they're also the ones that are going to grow up and be in charge of everything yep. in not a, very long, not a very long time. And one other thing I'd add is, um, and, and I don't mean this when referring to abortion, but I do mean this in acquiring uh, hormonal birth control methods, not IUDs. I'm not talking about something invasive. I'm talking about like birth control pills. Uh, Back in the day before we had access, like when I was uninsured in the 90s, uh, Canada and Mexico uh, were actually pretty helpful um, in going there and bringing back pills. And I know that that's not probably, I'm not a doctor, so I can say something like that. Right, like, and so, and figuring out how to do that and working together to figure out how to make sure that people have access to what it is that they need. And also that might mean that if you have some, that if you have extra privilege, if you have extra money, that we really need to get into a more of a sharing place than we've been in the past, because we're gonna have to take care of each other. Yep, I agree, thank you. Um, and this, I believe we answered this, but I just wanna ask it just in case. What is Agent Orange, good. What is Agent Orange's administration going to mean for women's reproductive rights? <laughs> Shout out whoever did that, good job. Um, I know we covered it, but is there anything like looking forward? We know what's already happening. Um, do you guys see anything in the horizon? It's hard to guess, right? But It is, I mean, I think I mentioned earlier, we're really hoping that birth control stays affordable and accessible mm -hmm. um, for anybody who needs it across the country. I mean, across the world for that matter. Um, but yeah, I think it's really tough to scarily, if that's a word to say, it's tough to tell. That makes sense. Uh, I, go ahead, sorry, Jack. Yeah, I think one of the things that we need to pay attention to is the bills that are being brought out to defund Planned Parenthood specifically, mm -hmm. because one of the things that we know is that Planned Parenthood is the largest provider of reproductive health care to women in the United States by a long shot. And most of what they do, in addition to providing family planning services, is pap smears. Pap smears are the, have reduced cervical cancer in the United States and across the world by, does anybody know the percentage? It's ginormous, right? Like it's the only, it's one of the very, very few 
um, cancer screening tests out there that detects cancer before it happens mm -hmm. and then can hook you up by using that thing. We've got this thing that might become cancer. They can treat it and prevent cancer and then you never have to deal with the fucking cancer ever. Right? That's amazing. That's amazing. And yes, they suck. I'm not telling you that a pap smear is fun. They're kind of awful. Um, but they can save your life. And so that's really important. Breast exams, really important. When in Indiana, when they went and defunded Planned Parenthoods, what happened? Remember? All those rates yep. started to rise. Pregnancy rates went up. Uh, abortion rates went up, right? Mm -hmm. um, HIV, they had like STIs, mm -hmm. all of that. So for many, many people, Planned Parenthood is one of the, is their only medical provider right? Mm -hmm. And they don't have access to other kinds of medical providers. And especially if the ACA goes away, that is back where we're going to be. And so what we really have to do is we have to support medical providers like that and really fight to try to keep that from happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. And I'd like to add, like, um, you should know who your community health providers are uh, right. in your neighborhood. Baltimore has quite a few. Yeah. Uh, and so you don't have to go far out to support you know, like right. you can actually support in your city and find out where they are and see what you can do to support that. Um, related to that is, should I be stockpiling Plan B? <laughs> um, I mean, it's never a bad idea to stockpile oh, Plan B. Really? Uh, <laughs> we sell it at Planned Parenthood OTC for 25 bones. What's OTC mean? Over the counter. Um, there used to be, for those of you that don't know what Plan B is, it's a backup method. If someone's concerned about an unintended, unintentional, un unplanned, whatever the case may be, pregnancy. Um, so that could be if somebody had sex without birth, con vaginal sex without birth control, um, if they were coerced to do that without birth control, if a condom broke, or if they felt like rolling the dice that night for whatever reason, um, they've got a five-day window within which to take the medication. The sooner it's taken, the more likely it is to be effective. There used to be a ton of laws with uh, regard to how old somebody had to be to purchase it. Um, yeah, you used to have to, or prescription. There were a lot of laws. Yeah, parents' like, permission. Yeah. Um, now it's over the counter. I've even heard of it being in vending machines on some college campuses, which is actually amazing. Some people hear that and they're like, Ugh. "That's weird," but it's amazing. Um, it's more accessible, so we sell it over the counter for twenty-five bucks. I see. I've seen it in every pharmacy that I've been in, in every community. Target, so, uh, not Seven Eleven, um, <laughs> CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens. Yes. Every place has it. Um, usually for sixty or seventy bucks for the name brand and like between 35 and 40 for the generic which is exact same medication but yeah it's got a shelf life of like three or four years so I always tell patients I tell my students if they're in a clinic buy a box or two and keep it on hand so if they need it they have it or say their friend calls them freaking out you know one morning oh my god what happened oh girl I got you come over take my plan B um, it's never a bad idea to have some on hand I don't know what's going to happen as far as what if that would be Banned because right. we've seemed or, to be on a theme of banning things yeah, lately, right? Or taking away the over-the-counter access, right, is right? I think the thing we would be most concerned about. I don't actually know what the mechanisms of that are, but it seems like mechanisms are not less important maybe than they used to be. <laughs> um, but if you're looking at Plan B, pick up the box and look at the expiration date, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> um, 
That matters. Condoms yeah. also expire, by the way. Yes, um, condoms expire, y'all. Come on. <laughs> um, if you're in a, like a but, doomsday prepper mood, though, like you yeah. could still, you could do it. You could start stockpiling yeah. if you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you have sheep, you're fine. I think. <laughs> <laughs> DIY. Because yeah. oh, sheep's exactly. getting condoms, y'all. Not that. Oh, y'all <laughs> <laughs> <That was> nasty. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> I do think it's always a good idea to stockpile a little bit of Plan B. You might there might be a blizzard, right? I like to, I just like when you said like, come on, girl, I got some Plan B. Like I, I just like picture like a group of friends, like some tea and just like a little bowl of Plan Bs, just <laughs> talking about their weeks and stuff. One pillar too, right? Like what what happened, girl? And you know, uh, that's my mind, and that's how it works. Uh, so next question or I'll keep riffing. Uh, do you get regular periods if you have an IUD? Not necessarily. So with the hormonal IUD, some people stop getting their period. Some get it once in a while. Some notice no change. Um, with the non-hormonal, with the copper IUD, some people actually get actually have heavier periods and crampier mm -hmm. periods. So if somebody yeah. already has a rough time um, with their periods each month, the copper IUD might not be the best option for them. Yeah. But it, it really varies person mm -hmm. to person. And you can have like spotting for a while mm -hmm. also um, for a couple of months before your body gets used to having the Absolutely, IUD inside yeah. it. So. And, and that's th something that's important to think about, right? Because some people are like, I feel really weird if I don't get my period every month. Mm -hmm. Other people are like, you mean my period might go away and I don't have to deal with it? That's awesome. Yeah. And then other people, um, if they don't have their period, give themselves pregnancy tests every week. So it's different for everyone. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, we, um, I think we have time for one, one more right now. Sure, yeah. uh, and so I am going to pick it. Um, does, actually we have time for two more because this is a yes or no. Uh, is Maryland still providing free vasectomies? I assume, I assume that that meant Planned Parenthood of Maryland. Um, I don't know of any clinic in Maryland that offers free vasectomies, um, but at Planned Parenthood, we do them on a sliding fee scale. They range at the, from, I believe, about $100 to maybe six or $700. Um, we unfortunately don't offer them at no cost. Awesome. And what do, um, do you have any no-cost birth control that Planned Parenthood offers? Yeah, so we see patients on a sliding fee scale if they do not have medical insurance or if they're a teen and they don't want to use their medical insurance. And at the lowest level of our sliding fee scale, um, birth control, some types of birth control pill will come on a donation basis, is what I'm supposed to say. So it doesn't cost you anything, but people are welcome to donate towards the cost of their uh, birth control. And I'd also point out that as long as the ACA continues to exist, a lot of people um, qualify for either Medicaid or the expanded Medicaid program, in which case most of your, you would be able to get a vasectomy at a free or... Oh, yeah, that would probably be 100% covered. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, and other birth control services as well. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to end on this question. <laughs> it's serious, so prep yourself. Sorry. Given the ecological ramifications for fish, what's the best, greenest way to dispose of text, sex toys? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to end on it. I'm sorry for ending on a heavy note, okay? But 
I want y'all to walk away with all the knowledge you need. Jack, you own a sex toy store? I, I do. <laughs> I do. So I think it also depends a little bit on where you live. If you That's live in Baltimore point. City, a lot of the trash goes to the um, trash burning power plant. Uh, um, so it's not going to end up in the bay. Uh, but then you, and supposedly trash burning power plants are supposed to have things on the stacks that like clean them. Ours doesn't really, um, and Hogan doesn't seem to care. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, unfortunately with sex toys, you should use them until you can't anymore. A lot of people do this thing that's really good for my business where they're like in a new relationship and they're like, I'm going to throw away all my toys and get all new ones. <laughs> so aggravating. Um, but uh, not so good for the environment. Um, so if your sex toy is still working, use it. Uh, if it's silicone and it doesn't have a motor in it, you don't really ever have to throw that away. Like if you... If it's from a past relationship, boil it, sage it. It's sage. fine. Can you, can you, I just like, if you're, if you've had a past, you can just boil it or sage it. You know, like you don't have to get a whole new. Yeah. Um, that's just you a know, rant. Those that's are another keepsakes. Show. You could pass them it's on to your children show. or. Exactly. Other young people in your life. Um, right. In your will, if you want to. Um, right. I'm going to bequeath You can mine. clean them off. Yeah. I'm going to bequeath mine. I know that. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Someone needs it. Exactly. That's what wills are for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now my most prized possession. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <it> well, <laughs> um, I don't. I don't have any other uh, tips except uh, keep your toys, as Jack said. So that's good. So can we get a hand for these awesome question answers? Um. So right now, we're going to just check in with our guests real quick and see if they have any um, things they want to plug or, you know, want to tell you where to find them and stuff like that. So I'll start right here. Um, I don't have a lot coming up currently, okay. but if you feel so inspired, moved by the spirit, you could follow me on Instagram or Twitter at, um, at Lizzie Normal, and it's with a Y. I spell it Lizzie with a Y. That's how I spell it. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right. Follow at Lizzie Normal. If you want. You don't have to. <laughs> it's fine. I love you, like, don't, I'm not pressuring you, but please. Pressure at all. <laughs> uh, Lindsay? What yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, so like I mentioned earlier, I coordinate, shameless self-plug here, I coordinate Planned Parenthood of Maryland's high school peer education program, and I am currently recruiting for new members. I have a couple here in the front row. Woo. Are you guys doing fertilize? <laughs> Fertilization. Um, so, if any of you know any right next year that will be a, a sophomore, junior, or senior in high school, um, please consider uh, telling that young person to apply or encouraging that young person. I'm so, so tired. I'm teaching all day. Sorry, <laughs> I can't find my words anymore. Please encourage that young person to apply to our program if you think they would be interested. It's a great way to earn community service hours. They get 50 right off the bat from a summer training. Um, it looks outstanding on college applications to be able to say, I was one of 20 students in the whole state of Maryland that took part in this in this program with Planned Parenthood. Uh, it shows leadership. It shows public speaking skills. Um, they get to attend all sorts of awesome Planned Parenthood events. Eight of them came with our three buses from Planned Parenthood to the march on uh, Washington, D.C., this past Saturday, both of our peer educators were there, um, which is awesome. 
and uh, they get to attend our gala. They can earn swag. We're working on paying them. Um, so <laughs> please pass the word on very soon. An application for the program will be available on our website. So keep that in your hot little heads and tell any uh, high school students that you know about this. Awesome. Please. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. Uh, Jack, what's going on over there? Well, um, there's a holiday next month um, on the 14th uh, <laughs> for this called Valentine's oh, Day. Oh, yeah. I heard um, of sometimes people like to buy sex toys for that holiday, and I like to encourage that behavior. Um, also, <laughs> on, and this is far out, but on April 8th, assuming that is indeed a Saturday, uh, we are, Sugar will be hosting our. Red and Black Ball, and on celebration of Sugar's 10th year in Ooh, business. Nice. Congratulations. And that'll be happening at the Ideal Art Space in Hamden. And I'm going to be putting up on the social medias, asking for some folks who want to help us plan it and make it extra super awesome this year. So either enjoy helping us plan it or... Come and attend and wear your favorite red and black outfit. It needs to be street legal. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Um, we, I am a part of an amazing group of people called Minority Report. Uh, and we, thank you. Uh, and we do a lot of funny stuff. And so we're starting a regular show at the Single Carrot Theater. And we Yay. will start yes, on February 4th, which is a Saturday. Uh, and so all throughout Saturday, I mean, all throughout February, <laughs> you can catch us uh, at um, the Single Carrot on Saturdays at 7. We're going to be doing our show. And then there's also a really cool Black History Month sketch show improv that we'll be involved in. And then after that, we'll be going to every other uh, Saturday, so please check our our Facebook Minority Report, um, and that's all I can think of because I didn't prepare this part, even though I host it. Uh, so yeah, so if you if you want to check me, please look for Minority Report on uh, Facebook, and you can catch more of me. And I know y'all like that. Um, so uh, anything I'm missing? Oh. Uh, foreplay, foreplay was awesome. You guys like foreplay, right? You've experienced it now. Thank you. Uh, so one, tell someone about this show and tell them how much fun you had, okay? Uh, secondly, we are on Facebook. We have our page, Foreplay, which kind of like just like our updates, some cool, we, more sex news. I don't sing on it, but there's more sex news there. Uh, and then we have also um, a discussion group, a Facebook discussion group, uh, and where we, dis you know, uh, our listeners, because we have a podcast as well, and our audience members, uh, want to talk more about what they learned, so you can join that. And also, we um, sometimes answer questions that we didn't get to. Okay, so find us on uh, Facebook, and we also have a Twitter for at Foreplay Baltimore, the number four. Okay, sound good? Yeah. And real quick, if you do listen to the podcast and you like it and you want to rate it, that's oh, helpful. Yeah, please, please, if you listen to the podcast, rate it, especially if you're on iTunes, because yeah. uh, then more people will know about it. Because if no one rates it, no one will ever find out. Okay? All right. <laughs> all right, and so most importantly, thank all of you for coming yes, out this evening. Yes, you guys are awesome. Thank you very much. And for helping to raise some money for Planned Parenthood of Maryland. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I want to thank our panelists uh, one more time. Thank Elizabeth. Thank Lindsay. Awesome people. My amazing, wonderful co-host, Jack Jones, who's amazing. Y'all can go ahead and thank me, too. Woo! 
All right, everyone, have a really safe night, and we'll see you out there in the lobby, okay? I know it's sad, it's over, I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> You've been listening to Foreplay, brought to you by the Baltimore Improv Group at bigimprov.org, and by Sugar at sugartheshop.com, and by Sliquid Natural Intimate Lubricants. We'd like to thank this week's guests, our sound engineer, Joel Murphy, our co-producer, Kim Lee, and most of all, our audience for your support, laughter, and questions. If you like what you hear, please rate or review us on iTunes by searching for Foreplay, or find us on Twitter at Foreplay Baltimore. That's the number four, Play Baltimore. Or find us on Facebook at Foreplay. Or find us on the web at sexisfunny.co.